January 1st, 1996. And we, had, we're, we knew that God was calling us to leave where we were in Arizona. The question was, where was he calling us to? Now, we wanted to go west from Arizona because all of our family, all of our lifetime friends were here in Southern California. So that's where we wanted to go. But a church in Michigan, 2,000 miles the other direction, was calling us to come and be one of their pastors. And so we had prayed about it, and we, we had a sense that God was calling, but there was something in me that was reticent. There was something in me that I wasn't sure I wanted to do this. So I had so many questions. Going 2,000 miles away with my young family, we didn't have the money to afford coming back if it didn't work out. It was a huge risk for me, a huge risk. But we had to give an answer on January 1st, 1996. So I got up, I called them, and I said, we're coming. Hung up the phone, those were the days when you actually hung a phone up. And I remember thinking, what have I done? What have I done? I've put my family at peril. I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if this will work. I don't know if I'm going to be the kind of person that they need. What have I done? And so I did what many of us do when we're kind of overwhelmed. I went back to bed. I mean, it was only 9 in the morning for crying out loud. I still had hours left. So a little while later, it wasn't like 15 minutes later, my daughter Amy came in to the bedroom, and she said, Daddy, I want to learn how to ride a two-wheeler today. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Remember, Amy, we tried that two weeks ago, and it didn't work out. We decided we'd wait until you turn five, and then we do it again. Yes, Daddy, but I'm ready now. And she kept pushing me. So I got up in a, well, not the best mood, and we went out in the garage. I took her training wheels off her bike, put a little helmet on her, and I said, okay, Amy, let's go. We lived on a cul-de-sac. So she started to pedal, and she could do it. And I'm running behind her with my hands like this, just ready to catch her. And she looks back, and she sees that I'm no longer holding on to the bike. And she hits the brakes. Well, I don't want her to fall on the pavement, so I grab her, I go down, she lands on me, the bike lands on me. And I said, Amy, why did you stop pedaling? And she said, because you weren't holding on to the bike. I said, honey, I'm right here. I'm going to catch you. Okay, Daddy. And she starts pedaling again. And the same thing happens, not one more time, but two more times. The third time that I'm on the ground with Amy and the bike on top of me, I am a little frustrated and in that moment, I hear in my mind, isn't she just like her father? And in that moment, in that moment, my mind was flooded with Bible passages that I had learned over the years about the presence of God, about the faithfulness of God, about the power of God. And when I reflected in that moment on those passages, I just sensed God saying to me, just pedal. 
You're not always going to see me, but I am there. You're not always going to feel me, but I'm there. I'm the one who is calling you. Yes, this is more than you can handle, but I will be with you. That's all you need to know. And so we got in our bicycles, and we rode from Arizona to Michigan. Now. So we packed up our car, took our little family all the way to Michigan. And we saw God do what only he could do in the next 21 years. This passage that we just read, or Kyle just read for us, from Exodus chapter 3, is the call of Moses to do something he could never do. You see, that's what faith is. Faith is saying yes to something God is calling us to do, calling you to do, that we could never do ourselves. It says in Hebrews 11, without faith we cannot please God. So when God calls us to do something, by definition, it's going to require faith. By definition, it's going to be more than you or I could do on our own apart from God. But our tendency is only to say yes to God when we know we don't really need God. That we can do it on our own. And when the task is bigger than we can handle, we say, no, God, I don't want to do that. And that's what Moses is doing. What I want you to see, Moses is doing what you and I do. And so what I want you to see this morning, I want to connect with this passage that you just heard Kyle read. I want you to connect with this passage and see four ways, there are many others, but four ways It speaks to your life today, in the year 2023, in the greater Chino area. I want you to see how this passage, this call of Moses, speaks to you and to me today. You ready? Here it is. Here's the first thing that I want you to see. Just like Moses, you have been created and you have been called for purpose, and that purpose is beyond you. That purpose is greater than anything you could do on your own, by definition. You see, Moses didn't have the power to release, to cause the Pharaoh of Egypt to release the Jews. He didn't have that kind of power. He didn't have that kind of strength. He knew he could never do this on his own. But God had called him for a purpose, and God is calling you for purpose today. And it's a purpose that goes beyond your own natural human ability. It's a purpose, it's a call where God will empower you. So here we read the passage, and you see that here in verses 9 and 10. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, God says. Now, it almost sounds, doesn't like, wow, it took almost 400 years for me to hear you. That's not what it means. What it means is this. God is saying, now I'm going to act. You see, God knows your pain. God knows your fears. God knows your insecurities. God knows your anxieties. God knows all of that. But sometimes he waits because there's something that he's going to do. It's been almost 400 years. We have been a nation for a little over 247 years. Think about that. Think about that. 
400 years they've wondered, where is God? 400 years they've wondered, God, where is your power? Are you ever going to fulfill your promise? It was not their timing, it was God's timing. Now the time has come. And we read this. And that now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. And he says to Moses, so now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Moses knows the Pharaoh of Egypt. Moses knows the power of the Egyptian army. Moses knows that Egypt is dependent upon the slaves of Israel for their life. There's no way the Pharaoh's going to let the people of God go. He's not going to do that willingly. And so Moses knows this is a very dangerous call. This is beyond him. This is beyond what he can handle apart from God. Now, I want you to see this passage that comes from the book of Ephesians. We read this. For we, all believers, all Christians, we are God's handiwork. What is handiwork? It is what God is doing in our lives to prepare us to do that which he has created us to do, which he is calling us to do. We are God's handiwork. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You see, long before I was born, God knew that I would be a pastor. Long before I was born, God knew the call that he would place on my life. God placed me in a home where my parents, we didn't really grow up in a Christian home. We didn't go to church very often as a family. I never remember us praying as a family. We didn't do that. But God had a plan. God had a purpose. God had a design. And he orchestrated my life. He put me in the place. And he opened my heart to him. And he called me to be his child. And then some years later, he called me for mission, for purpose. Now, my call, my call is to be a pastor. Now, I want to share something with you that has happened in, in America. It's happened really all over the West. Churches have been organized around an American corporate vision or perspective, not a biblical one. Here's what I mean, and we're reclaiming that in this generation. But here's what happened. The people in the seats, the people who support the church, they see themselves as the shareholders. And they hire people to do the ministry on their behalf. So we need a children's person and a youth person. We need a a lead pastor, maybe an associate pastor. And we pay you to do the work on behalf of the church. That is an American corporate view of the church. It's not God's view. Here's God's view. We call pastors to equip you to do the ministry. You see, we can hire staff, but a few staff can only do so much. But if we equip God's people to do the work that God has prepared for each person in advance for them to do, 
then we see the world transformed. We see our community transformed because it's not 10 people, it's not 12 people, it's 800 people doing the work of God in the way that God has prepared and called them. You are called by God to do ministry. Now, my gifts, my, we are given spiritual gifts. When the Spirit, Holy Spirit comes upon us at the point of faith, we receive gifts for ministry. Every Christian here has at least one gift for the purpose of ministry. My role here at the church is to lead. It is to preach. It is to teach. My primary spiritual gift, you ready for this? Is the gift of encouragement. That's my, all all the years, that's what always comes out. The gift of encouragement. What's that? It's the ability, God-given ability, to present the Word of God in such a way that people want to respond to it. Where people want to obey. You have been gifted by the Holy Spirit. Not for the purpose of hiring people to do the work for you, but for the purpose of using your gifts as we equip you to change the world. Friends, I don't want to have all the fun, because it is fun. I want you to share in the joy of ministry. I have seen incredible things, but I've seen incredible things because I've been in the right place to see it. You're called to do ministry. Now, let me ask you this. Does that mean anything to you? It may not. It may not. This may be new to you, a new idea, a new thought. That's why we do a class, Pastor Danny does a class, on helping you to find your place, not just in the church, but in the kingdom of God. Some of the gifts are used to build up the church here. Some of the gifts are used to minister to the community and to the world. Do you want purpose in your life? Do you want to make a difference? Do you want to lay your head on the pillow that last time and look it back on your life and, see, and be able to say this, God, I saw you do what only you could do in my life and through my life. Thank you. Thank you. Here's a second thing I want you to see. The call of God will often bring a sense of insecurity. I can't tell you how many times... I have felt very insecure in doing what God has asked me to do. My dad believed it was important for his boys to learn how to, how to write, and my dad's a great writer, was a great writer, and how to speak. And so I can remember as an elementary school student, my dad would give us a topic And we'd have to stand in front of the family and talk about that topic for three minutes. I wasn't very good. I joined the debate team because my older brother was an incredible debater. I joined the debate team, and I had one debate. I lost all three. It was one day of debates, one, two, three debates. Lost all three. And one of the evaluators, they evaluated us in these different areas from zero to five, he actually drew a line to the left. (laughs) And he put me there. My dad had us take speech class. I took speech class. I was terrible. I was terrible. I often say to people, I think God called me to be a pastor just so everybody else can say, well, if he can do it. 
Without God, all I offer is words. I can't change lives. I can't change hearts. All I can offer are words. But the power of God is to take those words and to bring transformation to the hearts and minds of people. You have gifts as well. And you might be thinking, like I was thinking, who am I, Lord? Who am I to do this? It took me almost a decade to decide to be a pastor. I kept taking classes a little at a time in seminary. I like to tell people I crammed three years of seminary into nine because I didn't know what God was calling me to do. And what the, and I later looked back on it, the biggest struggle for me was fear. It was fear. Who am I, Lord? Who am I? There are some of you here today who know what I'm talking about. You have sensed God's call in your life, and you've said, who am I? But who am I? We see this is the response of Moses. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Who am I, God? I'm insignificant. What do I have to offer? I didn't do that well in school. I remember when I was working with teenagers in a, a church in Bellevue, Washington. I was an intern. And I had this, we had about a hundred and something students in our high school group. One of them, his name was Nick Chapman. Nick had special needs. Nick was in a special school in high school. And I remember Nick because every time Nick spoke, everybody was quiet. Because God had given Nick incredible wisdom. So I said, Nick, you're the guy I want on our leadership team. So I built this student leadership team. I invited Nick to be on the team. And his mom called me. And she says, oh, thank you so much for inviting Nick. Um, and she's just thanking me. And I finally stopped her. I said, Mrs. Chapman, you've got to know something. I didn't do this because I felt sorry for Nick or because Nick needed something to do. I did this because we need Nick. Nick challenges the students to be more like Jesus. I said, he's, I wish I had a whole group of Nicks because he's serious about his faith. Friends, we often don't do things. We say no to God because what he's called us to do is bigger than us. And you know what? It will always be bigger than us. Because if it wasn't bigger than us, we wouldn't need God. And we would get the glory for what happens. God calls you to do things that are bigger than you and bigger than me. And so Moses, Moses grew up in the royal family. He was raised, although he was a Hebrew, had been born to a Hebrew slave. He was raised by a princess of the Pharaoh, one of the daughters of the Pharaoh. He knew how powerful the Pharaoh was. He knew the power of the Egyptian army. He was educated. He knew what saying yes would mean for him. And so he was giving God a lot of reasons why he couldn't do it. Let me just share with you quickly the reasons that he gave. He said, who am I that I should go to the Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? 
And God said, I will be with you. That's all you need to know. I will be with you. When I was struggling with that call to go to Michigan, that's what God said to me. All you need to know is I will be with you. That's all you need to know. You don't need to know anything more than that. I will be with you. And friends, you know what I've learned in my life? God plus one is always greater than the enemy. God plus one is always greater than any challenge we're going to face in our lives. He then, he says, he had another excuse. He said, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? You're telling us the Israelites. He's talking about the Israelites now. Because he's supposed to lead the Israelites out to the promised land. So he says, the Israelites aren't even going to believe me. They're not even going to follow me. And God answers and he says, tell them, I am who I am. That is the name Jehovah. I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you. The third excuse, what if they don't believe me or listen to me and say the Lord did not appear to you? You just had a, you had a dream, Moses. You had too much beef for dinner that night, Moses. You don't know what you're talking about, Moses. And then God answers. God tells Moses to pick up a staff, and the Lord uses that staff to do miracles. And then finally, Moses says, but Lord, I've never been eloquent. Well, I could say that. I've never been eloquent. I'm slow to, of speech and of tongue. And God said, listen to this. The Lord said to Moses, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, said the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. God had a response for every honest fear and concern that Moses could utter. Now it was time. What was Moses going to do? And here's the third thing I want you to see. God will tolerate our fears and our insecurities, but not our disobedience. Up to this point, God has been very patient, very patient with Moses. He knows how fearful this call is for Moses. This is beyond him. But Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. There's got to be somebody else, Lord. Go ask Aaron. Go ask somebody else. Not me, God. I don't want to do it. I'm not going to do it. Send someone else. Listen how God now responds. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses, and he said, What about your brother Aaron the Levite? Here, let me give you the passage. I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you, and he will be glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. So God will speak to Moses. Moses will speak to Aaron. I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you, and it will be as if it were your mouth, as if it were God to him, as if you were God to him. But take this staff in your hand so that you can perform the signs with it. 
Friends, I want you to hear this. Something that I have learned in my life that is so important. I want you to hear this. Because I, I, it's been true for me, and it's been true for others that I've walked with. When I say no to God, because the task he's calling me to do seems to be bigger than me, I'm saying more about what I believe about God than what I believe about me. Let me say that again. When I say no to God, when I say, God, I'm not doing that. I'm not going there, God. Not doing it. It's too much for me. I can't handle that. It's too stressful. It's, I don't have the gifts. I can't do that. When I say no to God because of my fears or insecurities, ultimately I'm saying more about what I believe about God than what I believe about myself. Because here's what I'm saying. God, you're not big enough. You're not great enough. You're not strong enough to change the world through me. That's what I'm saying to God. God, yeah, this is more than I can handle. God, this is intimidating. God, this is hard. But to say no to God is to say, I am, I am unable to do this. But even more importantly, you are unable to do this through me. Do you hear that? You're not ultimately talking about what you can't do. You're talking about what God can't do. Because when God calls us, he empowers us and he strengthens us to accomplish what only he could accomplish through us. Do you see that? If you are saying no to God, you are saying, God, you can't do, you can't change the world through me. You can't minister through me. You don't have the power. You're not big enough. You're not good enough. You're not strong enough. You're not faithful enough. Enough. Here's the last thing that I want you to see, and this is, for me, this is extraordinary. I have gone back to Exodus 3.12 numerous times in my life. This is one of my favorite verses in the entire story of the life of Moses. This is an extraordinary verse. So let me read it, and then I'm going to explain what it's saying, okay? This is early on in the conversation, and God says to Moses, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you. Oh, don't we all want signs? Don't we all want signs? Like a burning bush that's not being consumed is not a sign. Like the voice coming out of the burning bush is not a sign. Like the staff turning into a snake is not a sign. So here's what he's saying. Listen to this. And this will be a sign to you. That it is I who have sent you. Here it is. Here's the sign. You ready? When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship me on this mountain. What? Okay, now here's what he's saying. Here's what God's saying. You are going to obey me. And you are not going to be killed. And you are going to lead an entire nation of more, well more than two million people out of Egypt, away from the Pharaoh, and you are going to lead them into the promised land. 
You're going to lead them toward the promised land. You're going to lead them out of Egypt. And then when you have, you're going to come back here and you're going to worship me on this mountain. Now, I don't know about you. That doesn't sound like a great sign to me. Because that still requires me to take a step of faith. And yet that's what we want. We want to make sure, okay, God, I'll take that step, but you make sure that I can see that everything's going to work out great. Lord, you make sure that that step I'm taking, that the ground is hard and firm, and I'm not going to fall. God, you make sure I want all these assurances that everything's going to be okay. God doesn't do that. He says, here's the sign that you need to know. When you obey me, you will come back and you will worship me on this mountain. And he does. What this passage is saying is that we don't see the faithfulness of God. We don't see the power of God. We don't see, we don't see the love of God until we take the step of faith. Now, let's imagine for a moment that Moses doesn't take that step. Let's imagine that Moses says, no, 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 I'm not doing it not doing it. What would Moses miss? Well, let's see. The Pharaoh of Egypt relenting all the plagues. The Pharaoh of Egypt, the most powerful man in the world of his day, saying to God's people, go. The Pharaoh was completely dependent upon that slave labor. The economy of Egypt was dependent on that slave labor. They didn't want to let him go. But Moses saw that miracle. Moses got to see the entire Red Sea parting, opening up, and the Hebrews crossing that Red Sea, coming to the other side, and the Egyptian army that was coming to kill them being swallowed up by the Red Sea. How did, why did Moses get to see that? Because he did what God asked him to do. He obeyed. See, friends, when we say no to God, we miss some of the great things that God is doing. When the Jordan River was at flood stage and it was rushing, they didn't get to see the Jordan River stop flowing as a a miracle until they stepped into the water. You and me, we want, okay, God, open it up. We'll see, wait a while, make sure it's still safe, and then we'll go across. No, God said, I need you to take a step of faith. Step into the Jordan River, and then it will stop flowing. When I read the Bible, when I, particularly the Old Testament, when I read it, we don't see the power of God until we take the step of faith. And faith is trusting God at his word. Faith is trusting the nature of God, even when we're afraid, even when we don't understand. 1996. Thanks to my wife, primarily, who kept kind of pushing me along. We went to Michigan, not to California. And we got to see God do what only he could do. We went to this small country church that exploded over the next number of years. We had three building projects over the 21 years I was there. 
And every time we added space, God filled it. Every time we added space, God filled it. We saw lives transformed. We saw people meeting Jesus for the first time. We saw marriages healed. We saw people struggling with addictions. We saw them get the help that they needed, and we saw them to get on a path of health that saved their families. Friends, if I had never said yes, I would have missed all of that. You see, I know the call of God is beyond what you can do. That's the point. It makes you dependent on God. But when you do what only God can do, you get to see God do what only God can do. Moses, at a call, he had a purpose. You have a call. You have a purpose. And if you're insecure about that, if you're afraid, join, join the club. Moses is with you. I'm with you. We've been there. And I'm there often. But this I know. God is great. He is powerful. And he is faithful. We may not get to see everything that he will do, but we trust that he will do great things. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father, thank you for the power of your word that is just extraordinary. Your word, Lord, just changes lives. God, I pray for every person here, maybe some who, when I say talk about purpose and call, they know immediately and they realize that they have said no to you or they've made, they're in the process of making excuses. Lord, I pray that you would shore up their faith, give them strength, and give them eyes to see what only you can do. Moses had to step out in faith, believing that he would come back to that mountain one day after confronting the Pharaoh of Egypt and leading an entire nation out of Egypt. He had to go on the promise that he would come back one day to worship you on that mountain. Lord, may we be shored up in our faith by the moving of your Holy Spirit. And will you give us eyes to see you do what only you can do in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.